You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. It's Locked On Hornets, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms and you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere itunes stitcher spotify you get the deal and we appreciate you hopping on follow us on twitter at lockdown hornets at walker mail and you can follow our next guest on twitter at julian council and hey <clears throat> if you make lockdown hornets your first listen at least make lockdown panthers your second listen or if you're an nfl fan that's fine go ahead and give julian some love first he is the host of lockdown panthers we're company men doing the show together, going to be doing the weekly crossover pods. Julian, thank you for joining me. First time, going to be doing this weekly. How excited are you to fire off hot Hornets takes? Oh, let's go. I've been needing this for a long, a long time, man. Because like back when I was over at FNZ, I was doing the host uh, Hornets postgame call-in show. And I have not had a regular platform to get off these Hornets takes. And also, you know why I'm here, like Locked On Panthers host. And then you said, first listen, Hornets, second listen, Panthers. I'm also here to get extra clicks and extra mm -hmm. downloads. And, those and you're, you're going to so. take some from me? Aren't we supposed to be I'm here to steal together? your audience. I'm here to steal your audience, Walker. You, you Even though I feel like we have this, we have the same audience, though. I think we should. At least. I think you I think we probably do. But the fact that you're still going to be disrespectful, Dave Chappelle, <laughs> Rick James, and just put all your muddy boots on my couch, that's disrespectful. And I don't know why I'm going to continue to invite you, but apparently... I am so you can help me out with this Hornet stuff because I know how much you want to just destroy the Hornets, fire off takes on them. I remember your pin and maybe show some love for him. But what I always remember, like talking Hornets with you, and I think I brought this up on your podcast a while back. It's I remember right. your pinned tweet for a while of the deflating Hornets balloon saying this sums up my sports fandom pretty well, yep. <laughs> especially surrounding the Hornets. But we're kind of getting away from that, though. You know, nice enough start to game losing streak, but we're, we're trying uh, to get away from that. H how are your general feelings around this team right now, Julian? Well, let's not, you know, get it twisted. That's still saving the bookmark. So mm -hmm. I'm ready to bring it out whenever is needed. I'm ready for it, but I don't think I'm going to have to bring it out really ever again. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like looking at this team, like LaMelo, how many Hornets puff pieces have you read so far this season? Like they had what well, James Herbert, of CBS Sports had one. You had Chris Mannix of Sports Illustrated have one. Kevin Arnovitz had one. Not necessarily a puff piece, but every the ringer, everybody. Yeah, Mahoney put one out there. People loved it. Yeah. Everyone loves the Hornets right now, including your boy. So no. I'm very excited about what I've seen from this team. Obviously, when LaMelo Ball came here and what he showed us early on last season in the preseason, not even before the season started, like when he showed us in the preseason throughout last season being the rookie of the year in the NBA, finally gave us hope that the Hornets had finally found a superstar. I remember the late Rick Bennell, who used to cover the Hornets for the Charlotte Observer, always writing about what the Hornets desperately need was a superstar. And they finally have that in this town. And he's a guy who seems to love the game and wants to stay here and try to win something here. Now, based off of restrictive free agency rules, the Hornets really have seven years to prove to them that they can build a winner. Well, with LaMelo, what we saw from Terry, and then Miles Bridges so far this season – and what Mitch Kupchak's done with the draft and some of the young pieces he's brought in here around LaMelo, I'm very excited about the future of this organization and 
think that this should at least be a perennial playoff team moving forward for the next five, six, seven years. Yeah. And it's okay to ask for that, right? Like, are are you happy that you don't have to argue with Nada about asking for playoff appearances with this team? (laughs) Oh yeah. The, uh, the former host of the show, uh, Kanata Edwards just, you know, was always telling us not to uh, expect anything after, Mm -hmm. Um, what three playoff appearances since the NBA came back to Charlotte and I only recognize um, one of those since that the Hornets were here and whatever happened between 2004 and 2014 never existed in my opinion but either way like they haven't won a playoff series since 2002 Mm -hmm. the year where they're going to leave town to go down to uh, New Orleans so yeah I'm expecting for them to go to the playoffs especially when these guys make the decrees before the season like all I want to be is the grit and grind Memphis Grizzlies of those seven years like why can't I have that that's all I want yeah I mean getting to a western conference finals just getting to an eastern conference finals here like the grit and grind Grizzlies did yeah I'll take that especially when you haven't done that before you know getting to a conference finals I do want that at some point and you're right we'll get to the Golden State Warriors loss last night another national television loss it's what they do we're going to talk about that later on in the show as well but when we talk about the big picture you brought up needing a superstar. They have that with LaMelo Ball. And if you talk about the ceiling and how to build a perennial playoff contender, right? Not even just appearing at the bottom of the standings, but winning a playoff series, trying to contend to at least get to the conference finals. You always needed that superstar. It's the hardest thing to do. Well, LaMelo Ball seems like that guy. But then just because of the landscape of the NBA today, the Golden State Warriors, right? They kind of put out this picture. You need to have at least two. <laughs> you need to have like yeah. a superstar and at least an all-star that is flirting with an appearance every single season. Gordon Hayward, not healthy enough, a little bit older. You need to have somebody that fits the timeline. But Julian Miles Bridges is starting to fill that void. And so now yes. if you're telling me, okay, maybe the two hardest things to do to get to that point, right, to reach that ceiling LaMelo Ball checked off one box. At least it certainly looks like he's going to do that. And Miles Bridges now? I mean, I was talking about this too earlier. You know, everybody, everybody's favorite phrase last night was Miles is going to get the bag. Draymond Green yes. talks to Miles Bridges before the game. You're trying to get that bag? Scott Van Pelt after the game said, Miles Bridges, he's going to get the bag. Countless NBA pundits on Twitter. He's going to get the bag. Like, yeah, because he's got four 30-point games in the first 10 games of this season. The only other guy to do that is Kimball Walker. So if you're telling me we can check off both of those boxes, it's okay to feel excited about this team just like you are, Julian. I mean, it's the best-case scenario that a guy that was drafted by Mitch Kupchak. Like, his, that was his first first-round pick, right? Mm-hmm. A guy, and that was I a think draft it's his where... first personnel move he ever made. I think it was hiring James Borrego. And yeah. then the first ever move was that drafting Shea Gilgis Alexander with the purpose of trading him for miles in an extra pick. And let's think about that draft night. A lot of folks, when, uh, at least later on, were like, wait, why didn't you get Shea Gilgis Alexander, who could have been your point guard of the future? And then there's also people like me. It's like, Michael Porter Jr., I don't care about the back. Bring him here to yeah. Charlotte. And Miles Bridges, I mean, MPJ's probably been better than Bridges so far throughout his career. But the trajectory that Miles is on right now, like, it's incredible. Because, like, I'm a big college basketball guy, as you know, and to have seen what he looked like in an 18-year-old freshman at Michigan State who decided to come back for his sophomore year and see how good of a shooter he is. Because he was always a great athlete. But how talented and skilled of a player he is now, it's crazy to think of how good he's gotten over the last couple of years. And it's best-case scenario that you have a fellow first-round pick like LaMelo Ball, who is a homegrown talent, who's now turning into potentially that second superstar, that number two to LaMelo. And – 
from day one, those guys have had a great rapport on the floor. Like they know exactly, at least LaMelo always knows where Miles Bridges is out on the court. And I love to see that now financially, it might be difficult, particularly with yeah. the uh, restrictive free agency situation that is a going to happen here. And we've seen how the Hornets have been penny pushers at points in time, uh, Kimball Walker. Uh, so <laughs> that kind of worked out. I don't know if letting miles bridges go after the season would work out the same way it did with Kimball Walker leaving completely different scenario. And because we've talked all about the brightness of the future, that is the Charlotte Hornets. We can get to some of this other stuff, the details you mentioned, Kimba, Kevin Arnovitz has a piece out on the Charlotte Hornets, Michael Jordan, some of the front office members, the business side of things. I also do want to talk about Miles Bridges because here we are talking about him getting the bag, right? I want to talk about yeah. what that looks like and the fact that Brian Windhorst report of the Hornets baseline offer only being 15 mil per heading into the season. I want to get to the details on that as well. But first, let's talk to you about one of our sponsors, McDonald's. It's this episode, what it's brought to you by Lockdown Hornets, brought to you by McDonald's always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries as well. The Oreo McFlurry, I, I think I've said the or, or the Rolo McFlurry used to be a thing. I don't know if it is anymore, but that was always very much so slept on. Go to McDonald's. We appreciate their support here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Always appreciate them. Um, for helping us out here. Let's take a quick break. And let's come back and talk more Miles Bridges, Golden State Warriors last night. It's coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. And I was cutting a rug in that place, not a funk master flex. Shout out so to him. Again, Walker, how old are you again? Uh, I am 28 years old. <laughs> I didn't know a person under 35 used cutting a rug anymore. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Bet Online is back and better than ever. It's a new web interface for the start of basketball season. They've got more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. Bet Online, the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online where the game starts. So the Golden State Warriors game last night, we can just break that down for a second. Um, yeah. First quarter, first time this year that they won the opening quarter. Good to see, right? Okay, on the road, getting this road trip started off right. They've never started any game, really. I mean, they, they, they tied the game against Boston in the opening quarter. Same thing with Orlando. But mm -hmm. this team had gotten off to awful starts and then performed in the second half. Well, it was the exact opposite of what happened last night with Golden State. Um, LaMelo didn't look good. There were a couple of times here and there. He got some steals, had some nice anticipation, but went 0 of 6 from deep, only 5 of 14 from the field, uh, had four turnovers, so you know, kind of erasing some of the steals that he was able to come up with. Terry Rozier's been flat out awful, for, you know, and, and he was in this game. Only 2 of 12 from the field, 1 of 7 from deep. Did hit one to kind of keep him around later in that game. I thought the decision-making for him was bad. You know, Julian, here we are. We're, we're giving so much love to Miles, but it was really Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges. Those were the two guys that showed up last night. And, and LaMelo maybe had like a few minutes here and there that he showed how special he was, but just a bad game. And they got destroyed in the third quarter and the fourth quarter. 
Yeah, and it's one of those things too, like with Terry, like he's coming off the ankle injuries, like mm-hmm. what, both ankles, and he's just not completely healthy yet. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt right now. Now, I know a lot of people are already starting to do it on Twitter. We're like, hey, gave this guy all this money. <laughs> What's going on here? It's like, folks, like we are eight games into an 82-game season. He has been healthy for, what, two of them, three of them, mm-hmm. and he's not even 100% yet. So I think we'll finally see Scary Terry as we move forward throughout the rest of the month and he'll finally get back into his rhythm and Kelly Oubre I don't know what his deal is when he plays there in San Francisco because last year with the Warriors he was in and out of the rotation Steve Kirk could get nothing from him I think he missed his like first 26 threes as a warrior last season then last night big old goose egg but Miles looked great Hayward who gets a ton of just crap who seemingly like will disappear throughout a lot of games and then always end up with 20 points. I don't really yeah, know how he does right. that. Like he'll have no impact in the game, but Oh, Hey, Gordon Hayward at 25 points tonight. It's like, okay. But the game was obviously lost there in the third quarter where they go nine minutes without a field goal and turn the ball over seven times. Like that's stuff that you see in college basketball in the NBA to be able to do that. And then let's go ahead and add Jordan Poole to the list of guys who just have inexplicable offensive outburst against the Hornets. Like where did that come from? Well, that, that, that's your thing. It's, it's adding guys to the list. And it's hilarious, too, to go through Hornets Twitter and comb through what guy people think of that kills the Hornets because everybody could have a different answer. Now it's Jordan Poole. Uh, Nada likes to go with Terrence Ross. Yes. I've gone with Tobias Harris for a while, but TJ Warren was a destroyer just two seasons ago where three of the four games they played, he went for 30 and shot like 60%. I mean, TJ Warren had it out for the Charlotte Hornets for a while. And an underrated one. uh, Yes, of course. Oh, yes. Bertans killed him. (laughs) Underrated one. How about Boban? Like, I remember watching a borderline 2020 performance when he was with the Pistons. And Boban Marjanovic doesn't play all that much. But against the Hornets, he destroyed him in that game. Just an inexplicable performance from Boban. So, yeah, you can add Jordan Poole to your list, Julian. Um, You also mentioned Kelly. Like, yeah. Kelly gets 13 minutes last night. You know, James Borrego knew, man, this isn't, you know, this is not Kelly's game, especially after he got yammed on by Gary Payton the second. Whoo, just a brutal, brutal outing for Kelly, who you know, like Golden State, he and the fans um, and the team did not have the greatest relationship. You know, he talked no. about kind of like wanting to be in the starting lineup. He talked about coming to Charlotte and how he was as excited as he's been in a long time, kind of hinting at his displeasure with Golden State, got booed. Like Kelly Oubre was relevant enough to get booed by the fans of Golden State and then plays 13 minutes, goes 0 of 4, gets dunked on. Buddy, feel bad for what uh, happened to Kelly Oubre last night. Yeah, that's such a weird dynamic that he has there. When you look at Damian Lee, who's Steph Curry's brother-in-law, uh, dated to or married to uh, Elon Phoenix, proud Elon Phoenix, like myself, Sidel Curry. Um, let's go. see what they've gotten out of him so far this season and Jordan Poole. And then what Gary Payton, the second who he looks like the glove, like the little awesome. glove Looked was awesome. awesome defensively. Like he limps off the court, comes back and makes some big plays there in the fourth quarter in Golden State's victory. Like, it's just weird how Curry's able to get all that from those guys. And an Ubre who probably has more talent, at least athleticism, is not able to have a successful career there in Golden State. But he's been good here so far in Charlotte outside of last night. So I'm still still go Kelly Oubre here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and, and, you know, Kelly and, and apparently Steph had a good relationship too. You know, like uh, Kelly and Media Day was saying, yes, yeah, Steph texted him, said he's going to love it here in Charlotte. Apparently those guys were close enough. But, yeah, it just didn't work out for him over there 
with Golden State. Let's get back to Miles. I just wanted to give a recap of the Golden State game. But, you know, Miles and Gordon, right? You mentioned Gordon had 20 points. Miles, clearly the player of the game for the Hornets. 30 points, over 20 in the first half. Showcasing all of his new skill, taking guys off the dribble, still being able to pass. Two blocks recorded for the Hornets in this game. Both of them were had by Miles. I'd still been like a little critical of his off-ball defense, but he still has gotten a lot better. And I think he showcased that a couple of times last night, coming over, just spiking a basketball. That's fun. So, man, when we get to this, these contract talks, right? You know, Miles Bridges was a guy that was mentioned with the likes of a McHale, a Jaron, with those two players actually getting the rookie contract extensions. McHale gets over 20. Jaron gets over 20. Both seemed like pretty fair deals. And I thought Miles would flirt with that type of, uh, of neighborhood, getting something to the tune of that. But then Brian Windhorst comes with the report that the Hornets' baseline offer was $15 million per year, totaling four years mm-hmm. for 60. Miles was never going to go for that. Rich Paul was never going to go for that, and deservedly so. And when we talked about this beforehand, trying to figure out if the Hornets and Miles could come to a deal, I was like, look, If you're talking about what his true value is right now before the season, what he's done, it's like 15 is probably about right or 17 if you wanted to go there. But sometimes you got to take a risk, especially as a small market team like Charlotte is, and pay based off projection where Miles had already improved so much. So, you know, I talked with Nada about this. Like, man, I would not have hated it had they just gone ahead and extended him 2022, like, some around that that neighborhood to see if Miles would agree to that, and, and maybe he wouldn't have, you know. And then all of this is moot. Okay, fine. But if the baseline was really fifteen per, like, did you even explore that? And 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 I thought that would have been worth it. And now, Julian, I mean, this guy's gonna get more than that. You know, he's he's gonna get the bag, as everyone's saying. And and uh, we'll see exactly how much it is down the line. Yeah, and I appreciate your your tweet from last night when you're like let's not do the whole revisionist history thing on miles bridges like he was never like you just said he was never going to sign up for you know four years 60 million dollars and i know not has brought up the mikhail bridges contract there with the Suns, and that might have been an offer was that four nine four years 90 million dollars that he might be interested in and i even say no to that like the only thing they could have offered him that he would have been like yeah sign me up is the max because just knowing how you don't you don't you don't think miles and rich like play with the idea of like 22 23 something like that you think they always play the season out i think you always play the season out i just think that's just the smartest thing to do if you're a player like miles bridges who is developed the way he has in what the three short years that james brago has been the head coach here that i would imagine i would want to do the exact same thing where was it was it two or three years however many years he's been here it feels like it's been a long time now mm-hmm. i think it's his third year right um either way like the way he's developed and i would imagine that you're thinking to yourself, hey, I'm good enough that if I go out here and I play to the level of capabilities that I know I have, that I'm going to be able to get a major offer sheet from anyone in the NBA and then we'll see the Hornets match. Like, that's the way I would go about it if I was an agent to, with a player of Miles Bridges' caliber. It's like, hey, let's play out the season. Let's see what offer sheet's out there. Like, if it doesn't work out, Charlotte's still going to want you. Like, if anything, like maybe you lose somebody, but probably not. They, he probably would still get the same offer, if not just a little bit more, just based off of the projections like you were talking about there. But, yeah, I think it was always the smartest thing for Miles Bridges to go out there, play out the season, and then try and get a massive offer sheet from somebody else and then see if Charlotte matches. Is it the best thing for the Hornets? Probably not, because you no, want to get I mean, out in front not. of these things, like you said, and not have to be concerned about, you know, the sour cap and then 
the perception of you don't like to sign homegrown players, which we've seen in the past. So it'll be an interesting, um, you know, I guess, experiment on how like that plays out under, I guess, this full Mitch Kepchak operation. Cause it's not like, you know, Kimball Walker was a young player like Miles Bridges. Like he was in his thirties. Like he, he only had a few more years left of really high level play in the NBA. And we've seen how that's gone for the last couple of seasons with his injuries. So this will be interesting to see how it plays out with Miles Bridges next summer. Yeah. Like, so not to get it twisted here, this is still all good encompassing all these factors. So Miles Bridges playing this way. Okay. You got to pay him a lot more than you might've thought originally. Yeah. Still fine. You know, still, okay. We're going to have LaMelo. We're going to figure out, you know, at, at what, at what point he's going to get his money. Cause he's going to get his money. Okay. So fine. You got that locked in miles. You're still paying. This is a good thing that he's exploding like this. Even if you did not get a contract extension agreed upon before the season started, it's just trying to figure out if, maybe miles would have played with the idea of agreeing to that but it, so so what i'm trying to do right split the revisionist history and the weight did the charlotte hornets bleep up to a certain extent you know it, it just it, the thing with me it's just if that's true right like if the windy report really is true 15 just seems so low even for miles at the time you know and then it's like all right well if there's 20 you know how respectable is that you're probably right though like not only is the agent and his yeah. client saying no to that it's freaking rich paul so you know with that being a play it's like you know maybe maybe all of this is just you know me exploring something not worth exploring because rich paul was going to say no to a lot of this kind of like you were alluding to and this was always going to play out the way it's doing right now i mean like and think about too like what kimball walker signed a 448 like come on like that's <laughs> like what what they're offering miles bridges is is probably not even like equivalent to that because like really nowadays that probably should be what 470 compared to what Kimba Walker signed a couple of years well, ago. When people didn't like that contract, people thought that was a risk because Kimba wasn't shooting the ball well. And, and after the yeah. fact, Kimba became an all-star. It was like one of the biggest steal contracts in the league. And I think like bringing the Kimba thing up, you know, it would have been nice to maybe have something equivalent to that with a miles, right? Where, hey, could, could you have gotten ahead of the curve here? And, but you know, you're right. Like it's not going to play out that way. I think too, like in my big question is like, who's going to be the casualty here? Cause I mean, so you don't have to pay Lamelo just yet. And then you've just paid Terry the extension. You got Gordon Hayward. who's making a boatload of money and he's not even, he's what your fourth best player on the team. I would like say, when everyone's healthy. <laughs> I mean, when, when everyone's, when everyone's healthy. Yeah. Like he's top three still. Okay. He's still, he's top three, but like, he's not who you're, you know, going to be building your franchise around long-term, yeah. like long-term it's sure. obviously it's going to be Lamelo. You'd like it to be miles bridges. And then probably Terry Rozier, just based off of the deal that he has and what his age is right now, like Gordon Hayward. I don't know where he is after, you know, his contract expires here in Charlotte, but what's going to happen to guys like PJ Washington? Like, is there going to be enough money for him? And I mean, his role this year has kind of felt a little diminished. I've seen certainly like from the center position, like guys like Nick, Nick Richards have interested me in terms of like what they potentially could be as maybe more so as a backup. I don't see him as like a starting five in this league. No. Those are the kind of guys I think about, like what is their, you know, long-term here in Charlotte based off just the money that's available. Like you're lucky that they, at least they're not lucky, but it's smart that they let Devontae go to where they get a guy like Ish Smith, who you can have for this season and next. And then maybe even a year after that, who's going to be a very cheap value quality backup point guard position where you're gonna have to be really trying to find some deals of some free agents throughout the rest of this 
uh, build when you have guys like Miles Bridges, you might make the money he's going to make. And then same thing with Lamelo down the road. And he already got Terry and Gordon Hayward getting paid. Well, and, and, you know, you brought up PJ Washington, who is your best center on the squad right now. And so if right. you let him go, like you still have to address center. So now we're banking so much on Kai Jones, but you know, even when we talk about timelines, Kai Jones fits the long-term timeline, but there's also a short-term timeline here. where like, they're putting a playoff or mandate bus right now or a, a, a play, excuse me, a playoff mandate, right. On, yeah. on the team with, with Kai Jones, just not, he's not ready yet. And no. might not be ready next year. I mean, he's that raw of a project. Um, but you know, the, the, the thing that we talked about the Terry Rozier contract, man, I got yelled at people were mad at me for not wanting to do the Terry Rozier deal. And it was because like, I kind of wanted to save it for a miles and to, to figure out the PJ thing. Hopefully Terry comes around. Clearly his health is still bothering him. I'm not going to, there, there's absolutely no reason to be that guy and say, see, See, that's why I don't pay Terry. Like, no, I'm not, despite me not wanting to pay him, this is not the time to do all of that, right? Like coming off of this injury, I ain't going to play that. But it does tie you up a little bit on some of these younger guys. And so we'll see exactly how the Hornets operate. All right, we've talked too long. We got to get to the next segment. We'll talk about that Kevin Arnovitz piece about the Hornets and the business side of things. I do want to talk to you real quickly about rockauto.com with the ever increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? You ain't got to do that anymore. Save time and money when using rock auto, their prices are reliably low for every customer. Go explore their easy to use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Fox? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. One more segment with Julian. We talk about the Hornets business side of things coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. You have gone to that in an after-school special show, and you've gone to that in a shoe show with David Walker, the OG. I, you have gone back to the clerk's well for so many different references. It's quite impressive. Because clerk, here's the thing, though. Clerks, clerks 1 and Clerks 2 tell you everything you need to know about the service industry and, for the most part, about life. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, Julian, you mentioned the Kevin Artovitz piece. We talked about that. That was just dropped yesterday. I believe Charlotte Sports Despair tagged Nada and Locked On Hornets to say, yikes, what do you want to say about this? And look, this is right up Nada's alley, man. You know, if anytime Nada talked about the people side of things, the people business, how much that matters, and you drank anytime he brought it up, we'd be drunk every single day of our pods and every day of our lives that we hosted one. But you know, this is the kind of thing that he was alluding to. It's that there was a real problem with Michael Jordan trying to save a lot of money. I think some of the Michael Jordan stuff would get overplayed where it's like, hey, he's meddling in basketball operations way too much. Michael is a bad owner because of this. I think some of it was focused so much more on Michael than other owners who are always going to be in charge of the bigger personnel decisions anyway. And you even saw it with Kimba talking to Zach Lowe in that low post podcast, where he actually had a conversation with Michael Jordan during his exit. And I actually thought that's a good thing. Like I kind of yeah. want my owner to have the relationship with these players to say, Hey, you know, we, this is what is best for our franchise. And, and it ultimately turned out to be that way, but clearly there are mistakes with Michael. 
And the Kevin Arnovitz uh, piece with the business side of stuff, you know, it illustrates an entourage around Michael, the guys that he's brought upon his business, very familiar, you know, helping people out that are, you know, part of his family, right? A part of, you know, just his friends, the Carolina Blue Mafia hiring, you know, a lot of the people that he's known all his life. Their main objective is to protect the wallet and the bank account of one Michael Jordan more so than maybe being a better basketball team if it meant spending money. Um, and so what were some of your biggest takeaways with the uh, Kevin Arnovitz piece that talked about the Charlotte Hornets? Yeah, that was certainly a point that uh, stood out there when he talked about Curtis Polk probably yeah. being more interested in trying to save him money and this kind of being a family operation. Now, guys like Fred Whitfield, who's the president and COO of the organization and does a lot of community partnerships, like I feel like any organization in the NBA would be lucky to have Fred Whitfield. It's not like he's not qualified. He's a guy that Mike's known for a long time. He's been with Nike and Jordan brand. So I don't see that kind of being the same situation as like a Curtis Polk. You kind of go back in the past, look at guys like Rod Higgins, who like was the GM and then was reassigned. It's just kind of like, what exactly do you Who like was kind of like viewed as this huge yes man? You know, yeah. that that was the thing. It was it was basically him being the puppet to one Michael Jordan. At least that's how he was viewed for so long. And the same thing with Rich Joe back when he was a GM here in Charlotte. So it was nice to see. Like everyone always talks about all the Carolina guys that you got in here. And but Mitch Kupchak is a seasoned GM who won championships with the Lakers. Obviously, it's a, a whole different ball game there in LA when it comes to trying to build a title contender and really being a requirement for the 17-time champion. So coming here to Charlotte. And some of the moves that he's made, especially the trades, the draft picks, the signings and free agency, we've seen what a proper general manager looks like. And Mitch is also Michael's elder within the Carol, excuse me, within the Carolina family. And like, if you're familiar with that, kind of how that whole deal works out, like there weren't going to be a lot of guys that were going to come in here and Mike was going to, in a way, look up to and listen to Absolutely. like a Mitch Kupchak. Yeah. So like Buzz Peterson, like who's his roommate back in Carolina, like, you know, Buzz is kind of like, in the yes man category whereas mitch is like hey mike like, i've been doing this for a long time like i respect you but like remember i'm your elder here <laughs> down in chapel hill and like i know what to do so i'm gonna do it my way mike's like mitch i trust you but really it's all about trust and he's no different than really anyone out there like you own a business aren't you gonna want to hire people that you trust first and foremost and of course you want to go out there and get the best you know possible candidates as well but yeah and then looking at the approach that he has compared to what we see across town with the football team and the Panthers, like that owner, David Tepper, wants to spend every single dollar. Who do you think's on a better trajectory to be successful for the next five years? The Hornets or the Panthers? I would say the Hornets, and they don't yeah. even spend that much money. Yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah, Just absolutely. Because they, because they have the right guys in place. Like, you have the right head coach in place in James Brago. You have the right general manager in place in Mitch Kupchak. Whereas the Panthers, like head coach, we'll find out. GM seems right, but he's only been here for, what, nine months so mm -hmm. far. So you can spend every single penny that you want, but listening to Borrego and Kupchak and, and some of the smaller things that Mike maybe doesn't really believe that are necessary to win games because of back in the 90s, we didn't need this. Like him starting to listen to them and be more open to it certainly shows that they're moving forward. So I didn't really see as much of like a um, large criticism of the Hornets of just like revealing what's kind of gone on in the past and how things are starting to little, change a little bit now that you have Mitch in-house and guys like LaMelo Ball.
Yeah, and there and there's some things unbecoming of the Charlotte Hornets and the way they've operated. You know, he they Kevin Artovitz mentions the Damien Wilkins story of him being an older player, being assigned to the G League, them valuing that professionalism, and they didn't want to pony up the little money that it would take to keep him a part of the roster because it 10, didn't fit the right ten thousand dollars, which is nothing. And they were like, oh, well, we'll just decide to spend our money elsewhere. The other bad thing about this were the playoff bonuses that did not extend to the assistant coaches. Um, until Steve Clifford got there, right? Like it, they had just, it took him a while compared to the other franchises to start to pay some of the coaches that aren't making the big boy head coach money and yeah. how you know, they, they need better facilities because the, the one court that everybody can see um, from the Spectrum Center that is their practice facility, you know, people kind of wanted that upgraded. So there are some things that need to be fixed. I'm not saying that they're completely void of criticism in this piece, but there are some other things you could push back on. And I, you talk about Mitch Kupchak, Julian. I said this at the time. People were so mad about the, the Carolina Blue Mafia hire. It, it's only because you have the Tar Heel connection. Michael Jordan's going to go get his guy. But it's exactly what you said. Don't you want somebody that does have an avenue, some kind of channel to get it through Michael's crazy skull? Hey, I can be the one that makes this decision. And Michael can be okay. Like we know, we know the mindset of MJ. Nobody's going to be able to tell him nothing except maybe right. Mitch Kupchak, you know, like except for that guy who we trust. And so be it if they both went to Carolina. So be it if they've got that relationship that's built and he got hired with serious nepotism to some degree in place. Maybe there was somebody that had a better resume that didn't have the mistakes that Mitch made with the Lakers. But if you're going to get Mitch to at least run his team his way, then I, I completely agree with you. I, Dude, he, I he's like, a championship GM. Like there is there there is no nepotism. There is no he was handed the job. <laughs> they got a championship general manager. I don't yeah. care where he wanted at. And well, like I think when Michael respects him too, it's like I know how to win in the NBA as a player. You know how to win the NBA as a GM. Certainly different eras, but you understand it. And I trust you. Like he's not going to go out here and hire somebody he doesn't trust, or at least gets a great recommendation from someone he trusts. Well, and, and it's not like James Borrego is a Michael Jordan hire. You know, like, what, what, oh. is, what does MJ know about James Borrego? You know, that's, that's Mitch Kupchak. But, and remember how crazy long the list was of coaching candidates. I mean, they interviewed a million different dudes, and James Borrego was the guy they ultimately decided on. And I do also want to bring this up. Like, here we talk about Michael Jordan being cheap. I'm not saying he's not, right? Like, we can agree there is a cheapness to Michael, absolutely so. But also this, I, I don't blame Michael for not wanting to dip into the luxury tax for a team that is either not going to make the postseason or going to yeah. get bounced immediately upon entry. I mean, no, like I, I'm That's cool just with bad you business. not. Yeah, I, I'm cool with you not dipping into the luxury tax. And I also wonder if there's this improvement or this change in Michael where, all right, Terry Rozier did get a lot of money. You know, not, like now he's handing out contracts that are kind of deemed bad but it's it's not the it's not the MKG bad where it's you know 15 million per. It's not the Cody Zeller quote unquote bad where it's 15 mil, right? Like it's we're getting to 25 for Terry. It's a lot of money. You know, like you could you could very much so justify not paying Terry that much. You know, now you also have Gordon getting 30. Now we'll see about LaMelo and Miles and and we'll see what happens there. But I did I never blamed Michael for not wanting to get into the luxury tax with a team that clearly wasn't ready to go compete in the postseason. Yeah, and I'm interested to see, like, when we talked about what Miles' impending 
restricted free agency and his contract and how that plays out. And the guys who might be casualties, it's like, is Mike, is they're going to have PJ Washington's uh, bird rights? Are they going to be willing to tap into the luxury tax in order to retain him? PJ is going to be that, fascinating. Yeah. Cause that, that's the thing is, are, are they going to be at the point where they've proven enough to Michael and can Mitch get through to him to a point? like, Hey, Michael, I know it's your money. I think this is a team that's top four in the East. If we keep this guy here in town, like, is he going to be cool with wanting to dip into the luxury tax? The first time he does that will be a good indication on where they actually, not where they, where he believes this organization is actually at. And that's when you need to go ahead and start talking about potentially being a title contender. Cause I don't think he's going to do it until he thinks they're actually a legitimate title contender. Like he's not going to do it for a team that's going to get bounced in the first round. Like you said, or probably even a team that's going to be, you know, in the semifinals, like mm-hmm. a team like make it to the conference finals for the first time in franchise history. That's a team that I think he's going to be willing to pay the luxury tax for if, if necessary. Yeah, absolutely. Catch him on Locked On Panthers. Find him on Twitter at Julian Council. You heard him almost allude to the Panthers twice in this podcast. Wanted to go with uh, Carolina Panthers. I wanted to go with PJ Walker because he might start a game <laughs> this weekend. This guy is built for Locked On Panthers. Tell us what's on tap for tomorrow, Julian. I know you released an episode today, right, already? Yeah, yeah. I already had the uh, the preview uh, with uh, my guy, Mike uh, DeBate, who hosts Locked On Patriots. Keep it in the family, crossover Thursday. So go check that out. And then um, tomorrow's show, the weekly Friday mailbag. So go ahead and at me at Julian Council or get in those DMs. But don't get crazy, y'all. And yeah. give me whatever questions that you have about the uh, Panthers and maybe Hornets. I can bring the mailbag here. There you go. We're giving you an avenue to talk about the Hornets. Go check them out. If it's not your first listen here, Locked on Hornets, then make the Panthers your first listen at least. And then just give us the top two in your podcast rotation. Thanks for joining us on the Locked on Hornets podcast. We always appreciate your support. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on NBA, Hollinger and Duncan, really any show on the Locked on Podcast Network. Have a great rest of your day and we'll be back with you tomorrow.